everyone. Welcome to Buzzing About Romance podcast. I'm Becky. And I am Leah. And I am so excited for this episode. So excited. <laughs> um, just a little bit because when we got, I know we have talked about this before, like we've kind of teased it, but when we got the confirmation email about this episode, no joke, Becky FaceTimed me and then proceeded to squeal. I was super Squeal. chill. I was super you chill. You were not chill at all. And you were not chill during this interview either. Um, so on this episode of Buzzing About Romance, we are spotlighting New York Times bestseller, Julie Garwood, a legend in the romance book genre. We are excited to talk with her about her career and her upcoming release, Grace Under Fire. Um, Leah, will you read... Julie's uh some of Julie's bio apparently I copied and pasted the whole thing <laughs> no I'll just read it all we can do it okay Julie Garwood was born and raised in Kansas City Miss Missouri Miss Garwood attributes much of her success to growing up in a large family <coughs> excuse me of Irish heritage the Irish are great storytellers who relish getting all of the details and nuances in every situation add in the fact that I was the sixth of seven children Early in life, I learned that self-expression had to be forceful, imaginative, and quick, says Ms. Garwood. She began her writing career when the youngest of her three children entered school. After the publication of two young adult books, she earned her talents to historical fiction. Her first novel, Gentle Warrior, was published by Pocket Books in 1985. Since then, she has branched into other genres, including contemporary romantic suspense, Today, her name appears regularly on the bestseller list of every major publication in the country, and her books are translated translated into dozens of languages around the world. Her best-selling novel, For the Roses, was adapted for the Hallmark Hall of Fame at television movie Rose Hill. Anyway, let's get to the interview. Welcome to the podcast, Miss Julie Garwood. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, I will say that when your when your uh, publisher's email came back and said confirmed that yes, like you were interested, I might have squealed when I called Leah in excitement. There's, of... there's no might about it. There was definite squealing. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this um, this is such a dream. I'm so excited. Um. So we are really excited to talk to you because you are kind of, I've been referring to you for the last week as like a legend in Romance Landia. You started writing in 1985? Uh-huh. Well, yeah. My, didn't my first book come out in 85 or 86? 86. 86. Yeah. And that was Gentle I Warrior. Books at the same time. I had gone back to school and to finish uh, my degree. And at the time that I went back, I had three kids, so of course it was one course at a time. You can work it in. But the goal was four year RN. Um, and I took all the sciences, but then I had to take a three hour history class. And history in high school bored me. Um, <laughs> so the only thing that would fit my schedule was Russian history. And I thought, oh, God, how am I going to get through this? Well, it was fascinating. The professor was a nun, Mr. Jones, and 
she just made it come to life. I loved it. And, uh, but, you know, and I thought, okay, I'll take one more. And it just happened to be, I think it was a six-hour course, Ancient Medieval. And then I was hooked. I love medieval because of the discipline. Everybody has a place. And because I'm a daydreamer, I thought, well, what if somebody doesn't fit? You know what I mean? Um, and I, one night, instead of studying, uh, decided to see if I could write what came to be a prologue of a knight getting ready to go into battle. And I wanted to describe this guy without describing him. I was showing off. Um, I wanted to show how strong he was. So it takes two servants to carry the shield to him. And he lifts it like it's, you know, a piece of paper. Um, another one has to stand on a stool to put the helmet on, which tells you he's tall. <laughs> anyway, it was silly. Uh, and then I got down to the business of who he was. And he was, of course, a leader, so he was very arrogant. Um, and then I decided when I was done, he was all dressed and nowhere to go. So I decided I would send him into battle, but I'd also mess with him. And that's when I gave him Elizabeth, who taught him how to be strong. Anyway, that was. The warrior book, General Warrior. Uh, and she is a feisty, feisty heroine. Like, she puts him to his paces. <laughs> I know it. Uh, the realization <laughs> that, you know, when he realizes she doesn't think she needs him, it just shocks the heck out of him. And that's kind of cool, you know, back then. Um Women had to be real smart back then to get anything done. Sure. And they were. Um, I don't know if we got off on that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I wrote that book. But at the same time, my youngest was four years old. And he uh, would ride his big wheel from the neighbor's driveway to the corner and back. And I, of course, had to be outside. And I was sitting on the steps watching him. And one day, uh, the family next door welcomed their grandmother to live with them. And she would walk up to the corner and walk back. And she happened to be out when Jerry was on his uh, big wheel. And I thought, oh, dear God, he's going to run over. She was very frail. But he got off at the corner. She was just standing there. And he got off his big wheel and talked to her, I could see him. And then he took her hand and led her home. And then he came running over to me and said, Grandma forgot where she lived, but I remembered. And I could not get that out of my mind, you know? And so I thought, what would happen if a grandparent moved in that you hadn't seen? Um, and how would it affect the family, the dynamic? And I thought, well, I would put it in the viewpoint of someone who would be most affected by it, and that would be a teenage girl. And so I put it in the viewpoint of a 13-year-old, which turned out to be a YA. 
Yeah. So I had both of those going while I was going to school. So crazy. Um, is that a girl named Summer? Is that that book? Yeah. I yeah. love that book. I love that you book. Know, it's funny. The editor, the agent sent it to, I met her at a conference. I didn't get to go to the conference. I couldn't afford it. But uh, one of the authors invited me to a little tea she was having. And I met the uh, agent as she was leaving because the published authors were all around her. And I just loved listening to all of them. And But as she was leaving, she said, I didn't meet you. Who are you? And what have you written? And I said, I wrote a children's book. And she kind of scrunched up her nose and said, I don't sell many children, but go ahead and send it to me. And she, I swear she patted my hand. And uh, she, I said it was pity that she took me on. But anyway, I sent it. She called me and said, I love this. I'm sending it to Scholastic. And do you have anything else? And I said, Yes, I've written a love story, but there's a catch. It takes place in 1086. And she said that's called the historical romance and didn't add you dork because I didn't know there were categories. My children's book was a YA. I didn't know that, you know, that they had all these. But anyway, she sent it to Scholastic, the YA, and the editor did, uh said no. Sent it back and said, nobody wants to read about old people. And a week later, we were getting ready to uh, uh, send it to Putnam, I think. And that same editor called and said, uh, well, nobody's going to read it, but I can't get the story out of my mind, so I'm buying it. <laughs> Which was really kind of backhanded compliment. Fortunately, <laughs> did really well. So, so well that they asked me to become Emily Chase, which is, you know, three or four women were writing a series called The Girls of Cambie Hall. Yeah. I wrote one for them. And didn't um, I didn't like the process because they sent you the bio of each girl. And then you came up with a story, but they weren't my characters. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was fun. It was a good exercise, but I didn't want to do any more. Like anyway, a good exercise and what you don't like. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, and you write a very, very specific heroine um, as far as like they're going to push the boundaries of their time. Their roles are not going to be typical. I think of um, one of my all-time favorites of yours is For the Roses. And that, that series, like, I was so obsessed. I read that book like four times back to back to back to back to back. Like, I... But it wasn't typical. I mean, there was nobody else writing that kind of story with, you know, the adopted brothers and, you know, Mama Rose and all of the different pieces in that. And 
it was so dynamic. And then the final book comes spring. I just, and then I'm sometimes a little slow on the uptake and we'll get to your Buchanan series and everything, but it took me a minute to realize that everybody that's in the Buchanan, your current series that you're writing in, all of their uh-huh. names go back to books that are older series that you have. Yes. So, so well, I'm like, Noah's uh, a Claiborne. What? <laughs> Noah's well, a Claiborne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, Claiborne, I wanted to write another one. But uh, and it, the way my crazy mind works is strange. I see one scene in my head, and from that scene, I know the book. And uh, the usually it's the opening two lines that tell the reader what it is. Um, Ideal man, uh, the opening line was um, the first time she slit a man's throat, she was sick to her stomach. The second time, not so much. And you find out she's a surgeon. Um, you know, it, but... When I usually plot when I'm watching TV or I'm at a sporting event, uh, I did a lot of plotting at t-ball games, baseball <laughs> games, you know, uh, football games, you name it. And uh, so the story of For the Roses was they found her in the trash. And that became the claim. Strange, huh? I just that whole series I just love that like um so that series I think came out mid 90s and it's not my password anymore but wrote for the roses 6 was my password for AOL a million years ago because <laughs> I was so obsessed with that series Oh that's cool You know Hallmark did the Hall of Fame they made Rose Hill Yes that's, uh for the roses and uh, did you ever watch that? Um, yes, and I had it on VHS. <laughs> on VHS. They had me watch it with Don Hall and his group. Uh, and, you know, I was happy. I didn't write the screenplay, but I remember sitting there, and one of them, of course, is shot and dies. And I just said, uh-oh, <laughs> I knew what was coming. Um, and that was the irate emails, you know, and letters. And I didn't blame them. But, One of uh, those might have been for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, how could you? Well, I didn't, you know. I write the books. Right. But, uh, I don't know. Kind of funny. I was glad that they did it you know and it was the highest rated movie of the season according to them I don't know but uh it's on every once in a while I know because I get the irate emails again (laughs) Beth I want you to stop (laughs) I haven't watched it in years so I promise I'm not currently emailing to do like we should do a watch party. We should do it. a watch along. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, another story that you did that I think was really pushing 
the edge and was very modern and forward thinking is the secret because it oh, deals yeah. with the fear of giving birth and the um myths around birthing that were happening in the highlands at that time and the fact that the heroine goes out of her way to learn all she can so that she can be there to help her best friend she is also oh, wow. the most bossy of heroines ever <laughs> like so bossy they have to be you know but look what she came from that I the research I did made me so mad because the church had a lot to do with the rules and regulations and uh it was true you know if you had a boy you got to go back to church after 33 days if it was a girl it was 66 days something like that and uh it's just contradictions with all of it you know and um, but that is where you meet Roderick Buchanan. Right. And he's, that's the first time you meet him. Then his story is Ransom. And then the descendants are the Buchanans I'm writing about now. Yes. And actually, Ransom just got a new cover. I picked it up at the store. I think I have three copies of Ransom with all of the different, like the object cover and you know the 90s redo cover um and then i just saw she a new cover search of them all i need all the covers leah be nice to me i know i love them all but yeah ransom has a new cover and i was so so excited because it's really pretty um and it's also buchanan's which so when mm. leah joined the podcast she joined it and would tell me constantly, you don't like romantic suspense. You don't like romantic suspense. And I was well, like, you would like poo poo it. I would because you weren't picking romantic suspense that I love because Julie Garwood set the bar so high. I mean, Aww. it's That's true. Nice. <laughs> I always, somebody said to me, when did you stop writing romance and turn to suspense? And I said, never. There's always been a little suspense or a lot in every one of my romances. But I want uplifting stories. I, um, you know, you can have, I want to put them through all these hurdles. But at the end of it, it's fun to think that each one thinks they want something. And it turns out it's something completely different. And that's life, you know, and I don't know. That's the fun of it for me. I feel like in your suspense, though, you still have that uplifting moment. Like, cause you have that happily ever after you have the moment where they, they come together and realize like, this is, yes. this is my person. Like, and I'm going to do whatever I can to protect them and, and help them. That's true. But that's true too. You know, it's, it's like, uh, honor splendor. I, uh, Things don't, haven't changed that much. Fathers still want to protect their wives and children. Mm -hmm. uh, my father used to come in the door yelling, every <laughs> light in the house is on. Do we need all these lights? You know, because uh, there were seven of us and he, the electric bill. He was always obsessed about that. 
and I I picture this knight storming into his castle yelling, every candle is burning, because I really don't think human nature changes all that much. Um, My husband does that still, like to this day. (laughs) Probably more so now. Uh huh. He does. I'm the one who does it in my house because I'm the cheap one. It's like, <laughs> do you need all these lights on? Turn them off. <laughs> well, just to drive me crazy too. But uh, there's, I'm like, I, I, I want to ask you, like the prize. That's another story that the prize and saving grace, like those two books. Like you have the best Highland heroes, I think, in historical romance. Like, oh, and you re- what? I think that they're like personalities. So, because sometimes I'm not always like on it, but like the typical like Highland gruffness and the heroes that we've come to love out of historical romance, we actually do get in the Buchanan family series that we're reading right now. Like, I think of um. Mercy with uh Mike and Theo, right? Theo, right. Theo. Um, we actually just reread that a couple months ago. Still holds up. Like there's not a ton of pop culture references, so it doesn't feel dated. The only thing it that made us giggle was dial up internet. And fax machines. And fax machines. Yes, I know. Oh my <laughs> You know what's really hard when you're uh, when I was writing Killjoy, the fact that they couldn't have their cell phones around or they could call for help, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. With all this, you know, it's, it's more difficult than it was when Agatha Christie was writing. Mm-hmm. But uh, not that I'm comparing myself to her. I'm just simply saying with all the technology, you have to be more careful. But I'm glad the story still holds up. It does. It's such a great story. And Papa Jake, such a hoot in that book. Mm -hmm. so funny. Big Daddy. Big Daddy. So fun in that book. Um, So the book is, I really hate this kid. (laughs) The one who was was a coach, but he won't tell anyone. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was so funny when they all thought he was the football coach and he go- he leaves the, the swan and goes out to the parking lot and they're all like holding a pep rally to cheer for oh, him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they misspell his name. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, that's so great. It's, oh my gosh, it's such a fun, fun story. Um, So do you have a favorite, before we get into the Buchanans in the current series, do you have a favorite time period that you've written in? Because you've re- you've written medieval, Regency. Uh-huh. You, you've done Homesteaders and the Move West, the uh, Highland Romances, and then now your contemporary romantic suspense. Is there a time period you really like more uh, so than the it's, others? It's not that uh, I didn't want to go to contemporary. I love the historicals, but this one story that the scene that I saw, I could not make it work. It had to be contemporary. And uh, it's the scene in the confessional with um, 
Heartbreaker. Yeah. And do uh, you want to hear how that came about? Yes, yes, I do. Older sister, Cookie, to England with me. And uh, my daughter was at Oxford. It was a, a summer sabbatical, whatever you call it, um, and which was a cool thing for her. But we were going over to see her. And um, we were so excited that we couldn't sleep on the plane. And when we got there, the one thing Cookie said, we have to go to Mass every day. She's very religious. And so I said, okay. Well, we get there, and dead tired, but we got to find a church. And they found one for us at the hotel. We jump in the little cab and go. And I swear, the priest saying the Mass looked just like the actor in Sisterhood. And he had a great, great accent. But keep in mind, I was very punchy at this point. <laughs> and uh, she, uh, or the priest, tells the story about the prodigal son. And when he gets to the, you know, what the story means, he just stops and says, but I know you know. And the congregation all nods. And then he told another parable, and when he gets to the big point of it all, he stops, and Becky, I'm telling you, this is what he said, but I know you know, I know you know. <laughs> and I leaned over to Cookie and said, I don't know, and made her <laughs> laugh. And because I made her laugh, she got up and moved. It wouldn't sit with <laughs> So... I'm sitting there being bad because I'm daydreaming and not praying. And I look over and there is this uh, dark burgundy velvet curtain. And it's the confessional where you go in and out. It's an old church. It was really cool. And I started thinking about what sins people tell. And then I thought, what if you tell of sin, and there it was that you're going to commit. And that's the opening line, bless me, Father, for I will sin. And that's heartbreaker. I need the whole story from that. Weird, I know. That's so bonkers. Uh, but amazing. I love that. That makes me love that story even more. <laughs> uh-huh. I always tell people, I always tell people that heart, they should start, always start with Heartbreaker, but you can read this series of standalones, but if you start with Heartbreaker, it will give you all of the criminal mind TV feels, but with a really epic romance. And um, I told someone that recently and they came back and they're like, yeah, you didn't lie. Like, you totally got it. I was like, I'm telling you these books. <laughs> Funny, I always want to rewrite them. Uh, I write three endings every time. Uh, the first one I write, and I think, oh, no, wait, you know, and I write a second ending, and I say, that's, that's not right. So then I write a third ending, and I always send in the first ending. How weird is that? I asked a friend who's a psychiatrist, and he said, it's your way of letting go of it. 
And I thought, well, it'd be a lot easier if I just let go and not myself <laughs> through that. But, Three oh, endings? That's I'd like to read some of those other I endings can. sometime. Yeah. Strange, huh? Yeah. Well, okay. So I have to tell you, it's funny because one of the things that our community is really obsessed with is epilogues. And I'm like, oh, yeah. people, people, why do yeah. you need an epilogue? I have, I have been reading romance since 1991 and epilogues were not a thing. And I actually just recently went back through like your books. You do not write epilogues. Well, you want me to? <laughs> nope. Nope. Leave them alone. I like all the books the way they are. Okay. <laughs> all right, then. I'm like, I'm like, you guys, if you have a really great author who tells you a really great story, when the book says the end, then you will believe in their HEA and you don't need any more. And that is what your stories give me. Like, at the end of your stories, I don't need any more. I got it. That is nice. Um, yes. Yeah, so if you ever need an ego boost, just call me because <laughs> I apparently can just boost the ego. Really, I love it. I'm over here like I'm talking to Julie Garwood. Stop being a nerd. <laughs> no, I think it's fun. I'm just along for the ride tonight. Uh, um. Okay, so Miss Julie, how do you keep yeah. everyone straight in the Buchanan family? There's well, a lot of people. I mentioned that uh, I am one of seven kids and uh, a big family, you know, they're all different. And, and yet, oh, I know them. I mean, I don't know how to explain it, but I'll go to the grocery store and I can't remember what I'm supposed to get, but I know every character in the book I'm writing. I don't have to look up a name or what I, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, just how my mind works, I guess. I love that. But I do. Theo's the oldest, so I should have started with him, but Nick was the football player, and so I did him first. I like the order you wrote them in. You didn't mm -hmm. need to change the order. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in my head you know um i don't know it was kind of fun i yeah nick's story is so good so good and then and then theo's story i think that's one of the things that's so impressive about this series each story while it does build on the family and previous books they yeah. each feel uniquely their own each character is their own person they're experiencing life themselves in their own way on their own terms. And I really love that. And I like that for a lot of the books, Noah's more so the thread that binds everybody together. Um, I mean, they're family, but we see Noah. Well, he kind of like hops around. Well, and you meet John Paul and uh, Mercy. Right. Michelle's uh, brother. Mm -hmm. His story is with Avery. I don't know. There's always offshoots of them, you know. <laughs> I can't help it. I, well, I got to know what everybody's doing. And then, 
so from murder list we actually got the best friends stories um from uh wait who's the her family owns the hotels gotta think oh reagan reagan from reagan's book didn't we get her two best friends because the one's yeah. the daughter of the mobster and the other one's the journalist. Yes. He's not a monster. <laughs> he just uh, breaks the law a lot. But he really is a Robin Hood. That's so, uh, Sophie Rose's dad. Yes. Yeah. And Cordelia is, um, he's the real brainy one. Yes. There's such, and see, all those characters, they're so great so great um so we um so now we have grace under fire this is uh -huh. your this is your first book that you are publishing since 2018 yes um and I this is right? huh? sorry. i'm sorry go ahead no it's okay i have been writing you know non-stop and i took some time off and then got kind of lazy but I was still writing does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah I can't go very long without writing um if somebody said you're never going to publish again I would still write it's just something I need to do you okay, just broke Becky's heart wait, a nobody's bit telling you you're not going to publish anymore right <laughs> no but I'm saying okay <laughs> um it's the love of what I do. I'm lucky that way. Yes. Well, and I was so excited to get Michael's story, but there are still some other siblings that have not. I know. I'm working on Sydney right now. And <gasps> I have Zachary, who's the last one. Right. The youngest brother, who we yeah. only get some small little glimpses in Grace Under Fire. And uh, because um, he's not... He's not there for the parents. On stage, yeah. He flies those jets for the Air Force. Um, I, well, I feel like there's always, like, that's one thing I like about your books, too, though, is you don't crowd the page. Like, these families are big and dynamic, but, like, on the page, like, you hear about the, the outside characters, but they're not there to, to bog us down with little incendiary, like, stories. Like, your focus is the main characters and you bring one or two in to enhance that but you're not overloading us with so many characters at once yeah thank you it was difficult to have them be at nathan's bay michael and uh, isabel <clears throat> because all the family was there but since i like to be in everybody's viewpoint it was fun for me um you know, and to keep everyone straight for the reader, but um, they weren't there. And that's why they go off to Scotland too, which is what the point was to go there. Well, and I, I love, know. I love how you describe Michael because he is the man that does everything to perfection. He does everything well. And Isabel kind of hates him a little bit because of that you oh my god you know he's uh <laughs> she's saying when did you do that you know she's 
Like, I'm really surprised she wasn't like, hey, are you Captain America too? Because. (laughs) I know. (laughs) He was a little obnoxious with how good he was at everything. And I felt Isabel's pain. (laughs) I like that he was, though, because she kind of brings him to his knees, which is fine, you know? Yeah. Uh, When he realizes that he loves her is dense. He just, it took him a while. And I like that too. Well, and with her character, she's kind of a little clumsy. So like he feels like he needs to come in and like take care of her in a lot of instances though too. Yeah, it's just what he thinks he ought to be doing. But um, did you like her driving ability? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I was laughing out loud and I don't want to spoil this for everybody because I want everyone to go out and read Grace Under Fire. But when she takes him across the bridge from Boston to Nathan's Bay, (laughs) he's like just dazed in shock and now has PTSD from being in the car with her. I know it. Oh. And um is it Dylan is her brother-in-law? Dylan, right? Dylan's yeah. her brother-in-law. Dylan mm-hmm. is like, yeah, I told you not to get in the car with her. Well, he wouldn't let him finish. Yeah. He said to him she likes to drive back and Michael interrupted and never heard the end of that. But, uh, you know, it's just, uh, that was fun to do. And loosely based on trying to teach my daughter to drive. (laughs) Which, you should edit that out, probably. (laughs) She's a great driver now. But when they first start, oh my gosh. I feel like every teenager, when you're driving, though, like you have those moments when you're first learning. (laughs) And oh, yeah. I mean, some adults still, of course, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Julie, what is one book that you have written that you wish everyone would read? Mm, that was a good question. I think, but see, I'd like to rewrite all of them. If for historical, you I do would not say- need to write you do not need to rewrite anything. They're all amazing as they are. Well, thank you. That's, that's, <laughs> I think Ransom, because I threw everything but the kitchen sink at that poor girl, uh, Gillian, and uh, The Secret, if you're into historicals for contemporary, um, I got to say right now, Grace Under Fire. Yeah. It's really good. It was fun writing it, you know. Um, But now I'm in the next book. I never title a book until I'm in it. And it just comes to me. Or a line, you know, when uh, the hero in Saving Grace says to her, you're my saving grace. And I thought, there it is. That's the title. And... um, so I don't have a title for this one yet. Okay. I love that. Uh, I love that because there I've read a couple books recently where the title was really catchy and it I like went into the book with a certain expectation 
and the title doesn't match the book at all. And I was really grumpy at the end of it because they, they basically told me I was getting something and I didn't get it. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I understand it, but, um, you know, I want people to, uh, be a little nervous, but also laugh. Mm -hmm. uh, I get a lot of emails from women going through chemo, which is sad that I'm saying a lot, but it's true. And to write that I helped get them through it is such a, it makes such an impact on me. Uh, and that's what we're here to do, to mm -hmm. make an impact, you know? So. Uh, and now, while I haven't had to fight cancer or anything, your stories got me through some really hard and difficult times. And um, there's comfort in rereading your stories. It's like visiting with friends. Oh, and that's not. I have so many memories and feelings tied to your books that um, you write exceptional stories and I love them. So every time you're like, I think I want to rewrite them. I'm like, wait, don't do it. <laughs> no, it's just, yeah, I know what you're saying. Thank you. <clears throat> I think that's a natural author like <laughs> feeling though. Cause I mean, we've talked to a few different authors who have said like the books that they put out, like, they're old books. They, they would love to go back and redo them because they've come so far in their craft since they started. Yeah, I, I never want to become complacent. Uh, somebody said, it, does it get easier? No. And I'm glad because if it does, I'm not doing my job. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's never going to get easy, which is good. So. Well, and that's why your stories are exceptional and readers keep coming back to them. I thank you, ma'am. <laughs> um, so Grace Under Fire releases on July the 19th and yes. that'll be available everywhere you get books. You can get it in paperback. You can get it in hardback. Well, I guess it goes hardback first in ebook and then paperback will be uh, in a not couple paperback months. Not yet. Um, no, first hardback. And I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the price of paper is right now. Everything is unbelievably high. Uh, yeah. I have a friend whose husband is a builder, and you know the cost of uh, wood, the cost of every it's twenty thousand more for this or that, and you think, oh my goodness, and it doesn't look like it's gonna ease up for a little while. Not for uh, a while. No, because we can't get parts and we can't get the things that we need, you know. But uh, but they can order the ebook. You can get the ebook of Grace Under Fire, and then it will be there on your device forever and ever and ever <laughs> and ever. <laughs> and I like trying to think because you know I've rebought all of the ebooks. I probably bought the paperback six times. <laughs> so wow! I should just buy them. Leah, stop, stop rolling your eyes at me. <laughs> I did not roll my eyes at you. Um, Julie, thank you so much for coming and talking with us. I can't tell you how honored I am that you gave us your time to talk about your stories. You are so sweet. Thank you. I, uh, my ego. <laughs> <kind of> <laughs>
<laughs> like uh, I said, if you ever need an ego boost, give us a call because I mean, I'm obsessed. I love your stories. And this is like, this is dream come true for me. I never thought when I started this podcast, I'd get a chance to sit and chit chat with Julie Garwood about her books. So super cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. Leah, did you go to sleep? No, I'm still here, but Becky is fangirl and doing her thing. So I'm just letting her roll. <laughs> Leah, Leah knew like this was going to be like my ride. I'm just here to pull her back when she gets too far. <laughs> it's oh, the truth. Hi. It's the truth. Um, but again, thank you so much for joining us. And like I said, everyone grab Grace Under Fire by Julie Garwood out on July 19th, wherever you get your books. Um, hardback and ebook will be available on release day. Thank you. Okay. You fangirled so hard. You fangirled so hard. Like we can stop podcasting. I don't think there's any more reason to talk to anybody. There there? isn't. But did you love the fact that Julie Garwood asked me if I was sleeping? I know, right? So funny. I also was dying when she tells the story about Heartbreaker. Oh my god! Being in church and she got punchy, and her sister moved away from her because she did not want to acknowledge that she knew her anymore. So funny. Um, well, but even like just, she just was a delight to listen to. And I loved hearing like how she got her start. And I just, that was I, yeah. an amazing interview. She is great. Okay. So we need your help. We are working on an upcoming episode and we need some song wrecks. We're looking for your favorite books from the eighties, nineties, two thousands, and current hits. Check out our website at bookcase and coffee dot com slash music and what oh favorite books okay we're gonna redo that outro (laughs) we need your help we are working on an upcoming episode and we need some song wrecks we're looking for your favorite songs from the 80s and 90s 20s or the 2000s and current hits check out our website at bookcaseandcoffee.com slash music we okay. give a little bit more insight of what we're gonna do but so check that out on the website and let me just preface it that i do not know current hits so i'm gonna have to go down and like listen to everything so if you yeah. want to email me a link to find this thing too you can do that so head over to our website and give us your music recs Mm-hmm. Um, Leah, it's time for, for book book of, of the, the week. week. I went a little high pitch there. You did. What is your book of the week? So I was super blessed that I was sent an early arc of Bayou Sweetheart by Lexi Blake. I'm so excited for this one. <laughs> this is book five from the Butterfly Bayou series. It is a Hollywood norm romance. Um, It is so fun and so sweet. Major is a total book boyfriend and just so likable. I said likable, not lickable. Please note. Um, And Bryn, the heroine. Did you lick him too, though? Yes. Yes, I did. Bryn, I wanted to give her a hug. I just really liked her. She's like a childhood actress and kind of the mommy manager. But her mom's not this terrible person. 
There was reasons that her mom did what she did. Anyway, it's a really great story, and it's Lexi Blake. So everybody should put by you, sweetheart. And to quote Becky, I haven't read it yet, but there's Trash Panda Pandemonium. Oh, Trash Panda Pandemonium. I forgot about the Trash Panda Pandemonium. And at the end of the book, there's still Trash Panda Pandemonium out in the world. And Zeb, or Zep. 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 Well, but we are getting a book six. Yes. So maybe Trash Panda Pandemonium will be resolved in book six. I do not know. I doubt okay, it Leah. because, I mean, they have a they have a town alligator. I mean, psh. Right. What? Okay, so my book of the week is One and Only by Nora Everly. This is a second chance romance in the first book in the Barrett Brothers series, which is spinning. It has spun off of her um, heart words series. There are some slight suspense elements in this book, which, of course, I love those things. But Nora Everly, she writes an amazing family series, and it's a second chance done really well. Um, they got married really young. They had different career aspirations and like kind of went their separate ways, but they never fell out of love with each other. But one thing I really enjoyed about this book is the fact that they both attempted to move on, but neither one, like they never found like their perfect match because like they were always meant to be. And that was one of like the the themes, like when they talked to like their parents, it's like, you're always meant to be together. It just wasn't the right time for you, but it's so good. It's so good. Okay. And it, and it actually, the heroine, Charlotte, has a huge family too. So now I'm like, is Nora going to write their series too? You never know with Miss Nora. Um, there is a special entry for summer reading at the bottom of our show notes. We are going to ask you a question specific to this episode. Once you listen all the way through, you'll want to go to our on-the-shelf show notes for this episode and enter your answer. This will be an extra entry just for those listening to the podcast. We do ask that you not share this or tag us on social media. Just answer the question for an extra entry. Okay, speaking of summer reading challenge, it is week seven. It is week seven. This is our halfway Already. point. Halfway. I know it's kind of crazy though. Um, so this week's sponsor authors are author Rebecca Gallo and Lila Dubois. And we are going to be talking with Miss Rebecca Gallo on July 11th at 3 p.m. It might just be Becky. It might just be me. It kind of depends on what the day provides that day. What that day is doing. Um, uh-huh. We're really super excited about Summer Reading Challenge. You can find all the details on our website at bookcaseandcoffee.com slash W seven, I think it is for week seven. I don't even know. Um, Just just go to our website, bookcaseandcoffee. Or you can email us and you can just ask the questions there. So Um, (laughs) we appreciate, yeah, we appreciate our (laughs) Patreon supporters and would not be able to bring you the podcast without them. If you are enjoying this podcast, please consider joining us over on Patreon. It is also the home of Drunk Book Club. It is, which our July Drunk Book Club is going to be held on July 16th. And we are reading Good Time by Jana Aston. We are also excited that author Catherine Cowles will be our guest author for the August Drunk Book Club. Yes. And I'm nominations for those books that. are happening right now, which one of her amazing stories we'll be reading in August. Mm-hmm. Um We are really super excited. We're taking on some extra projects in the book community, and we are super excited to be partnering with Wildfire Marketing Solutions on an upcoming book club on Facebook. Our first selection is Promise Me Forever by Layla Hagen on July the 13th. 
This book is in Kindle Unlimited. It is book one of a, one of her family series. It's a single dad nanny romance with an amazing grandma and a super feisty little girl. So I cannot recommend this book enough. And it was also one of my top reads in 2021. So. And this is going to be my first Layla Hagen book. And I'm super excited because she's one of those authors that has a really big backlist. So I've been pushing it, pushing it and pushing it off. But they're so good. They are, but that is a long rabbit hole to go down. But they're so good. They um, are. Our next group read in Discord on our Discord server is going to be Wasted Words by Stacy Hart. And we are going to be doing that on July 10th. And 20th. Podcast, oh, July 20th. Sorry, I read that wrong. Um, podcast contributor Jenny and Hive member Anna are going to be hosting that discussion. And then next time we are chatting with author Kim Lorraine, uh, we'll discuss everything from her steamy cowboys, her hunky hockey series and her paranormal series that she's writing with Meg. And she is also one of our grand prize sponsoring authors for summer reading challenge. And mm -hmm. I believe she's taking part in, um, readathon oh, is on she? Labor Day. So That's yeah, I exciting. think she is. And maybe Meg Ann also, I am not a hundred percent sure on that piece. So. Well, that'll be delightful. I'm really excited for this series, but I, they end on cliffhangers and they're not all out yet. So they're so good. They're so sexy and spicy. Anyway, That's what I keep hearing. Tune in next and week when we talk to Kim Lorraine. Oh, um, until next time, everyone. Happy reading, everybody. Find us on Instagram at buzzing about romance or on Twitter at buzzing romance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.